You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Sovereign Self is about individual empowerment and freedom. In exploring this sovereign self, our discussions will encompass self-love, oneness, and diverse spiritual understandings as life is a journey of expansion which never ends. Join author Martin Neil Campbell, trainer and business facilitator Karen Murphy, and spiritual archaeologist Ron Mayer as their discussions help lead their listeners into an ever-expanding journey of peace, love, joy, and freedom to become who you desire and be your sovereign self. Welcome to Sovereign Self. I am your host, Martin Neil Campbell, and your two fabulous absolutely wondrous, divine, and miraculous co-hosts are, <laughs> there she is, Karen Murphy and Ron Mayer. There's Ron. Hello, so, folks. There you go. Hi, everybody. Yes, hello, everyone. And welcome back to the program. We do appreciate you listening in more than you know. So it's, it's wonderful to have you back. On this program, we're going to start off, I think I'm going to start off by talking about something that's going on sort of astrologically and what's going on with the energies because it all ties in. At the end of this month, Mars, Pluto, Mercury are going retrograde. And it's a very important moment because when they all go retrograde, what seems to happen to the energies is it sort of forces us all to go into a review mode, if I can put it that way. Because a lot of people are in confusion and that's because they're going into review mode and it is an intense month for releasing things from the past finding clarity who you are where you're going looking at your bigger vision and definitely shed what's outdated and open up to new paths new ideas and get on track for where your heart tells you you should go for the long term mass confusion will come into play And it will force us to focus and start facing our sensitivities and what's causing us angst and looking at that. But the good thing about it is when you're your sovereign self, being your sovereign self is being being a bright light for yourself and others. And we'll get into that in a bit more. But it is about also bringing in hope, courage, and compassion as well from that light which fits in for yourself and others. But the good thing about this month is it's apparently, if you're doing these reviews and looking at yourself and releasing the past, it's supposed to bring a lot of aha moments into your life. So things you'll look at, you go, oh my God, I never realized that before. Oh, wow, that just changes everything. It's supposed to be a month, if you do it right and don't hide away from it all and don't not face your fears. And, you know, if you can step away from being needy or a victim or a martyr, then as you move away from those things and be that bright light for yourself and others, the aha moments will come where you'll get fundamental changes on your understanding about how things work within yourself and otherwise. And one of the interesting things about this is that in this time, we're also going through obviously huge change. There are various things that are coming up that people are looking at that never looked at before. But they've always sort of been out there and playing at the edges, but things are coming in that are making people sit back and go, wow, I wonder if that would work. Some of them, I know one from Canada, from the federal government there, is supplying a basic income 
yes. for every person mm -hmm. in the population. So nobody has to worry about the basics <clears throat> of food and clothing and that type of thing. Everyone will get paid a basic income. I know that's very controversial for a lot of reasons, but even the UK is looking at it and the UK has started investigating it. And all the studies and tests done so far indicate that it's a good thing. So I will get into that in a little more too. But then of course, the big thing that's happened at this moment in time is the Panama Papers. Mm -hmm. And apparently it's the largest dump of information that's ever been released into the world on what people are doing secretly behind the scenes on a lot of cases. A lot of people are were probably wondering, well, how big is it? What does it indicate? And apparently for people hiding money in offshore accounts and so they don't have to pay taxes or don't have to pay their divorced wife or what have you, there's been cases of everything like that, it adds up to almost $2.6 trillion of hidden money from either famous people, rich people, or heavily into politicians. Mm -hmm. And $2.6 trillion is no small sum. It's interesting that it's already led to the resigning of the Iceland's prime minister over it, because he was named. There's pressure to have the Ukrainian prime minister resign as well. And that won't be the end of it. And it's interesting that all I have to say to that is, you know, if people are resigning over it, it's true. Because <laughs> yeah. if it wasn't true, they would certainly go, it's not true, I'm going to fight this. Right. But as soon as people start resigning or quitting their posts or what have you, because of it, then you know it's true. Uh -huh. So that gives it credence right off the bat. You know, what I find interesting about that was, it was the same thing that happened with with 9-11, for instance, with the Truther organization trying to reveal some of the things that had actually occurred during 9-11 and try to present it when the commission, the, the book on 9-11, was actually being presented. A lot of these truths could be held back at that time. They were successfully buried to the point where most people don't know half of what actually happened during 9-11 yeah. and still believe in the official story. Today, this is how far we've come, Martin. Today, when we're looking at, and back then, we still don't we don't we still don't see any of the power brokers that were responsible for 9-11, how many of them have been brought to justice? How many of them have been taken to court and, and put behind None. bars? I don't None. see anybody. <laughs> and on top of that, not only that, but you're also not seeing anybody resign over any of these issues. In the two thousand eight financial crisis that we were that that occurred with regards to you know the the bankers and their inappropriate dealings that they had how many of these have actually resigned let alone been brought to justice none mm -hmm. so today if we are seeing a massive dump and we're actually seeing the results of that human consciousness has truly gained in momentum towards the light oh yeah well, you're seeing i know it's, it's very Yes, sorry, Karen, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry, I was just thinking you were seeing the accountability now. Yes, people yes. are and people are well, if they're resigning, my understanding is that they're probably being told we have enough to actually arrest you. So either you step down and relinquish your power, uh, yeah. then we will actually go in and arrest you because that's all part of the the major dump this is a major dump in and of itself but when the actual event happens and the amount of information that apparently is still waiting in the wings to be released yes actually happens 
there will be hundreds, if not thousands, of power brokers at the top of the echelon which will be arrested. The interesting thing here is they say it's a massive tax windfall because a lot of this was done to evade taxes. Right. And they said that if they go after the people and get the money they owe on this, other money they've hidden elsewhere to avoid taxes, it would translate into hundreds of billions of dollars in extra funds for countries. I can't think of a single country who couldn't use hundreds of billions of dollars <laughs> in funds so uh, to help people and what they need to do. So it is a shame, I would say, that you know we have allowed people to hide money offshore for that long and avoid paying taxes to that tune because we know of so many countries that are strapped for money to make even infrastructure right again and other things and basic stuff for these people to hide money so they can have billions and billions of more when the country's falling, countries are falling apart around them is truly disgraceful. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad it's been found. I'm glad it got leaked. It's, it's one of those awakening moments where it's just showing people who is running us, mm-hmm. who the authority is like, what they're like, and what they're actually doing in the background. And it's a wake-up call. It's a, and it's a major step towards transparency. Mm-hmm. and the actual move towards the light. So people who have been hoping, oh, especially, you know, I mean, if you've been involved in this, in your spiritual development for any number of years, it could be decades, it's amazing how slow it first started out. Mm-hmm. It was, it dragged for forever. I remember the first there were days 20 years ago when it was like, oh, let's just get on with it. Let's <laughs> just, you know, reveal. Today, I'm a lot wiser in my understanding of why we've actually held back. Mm. Because back then, if things had gone to a head, the numbers of people that could have been helped would have drastically been reduced. Well, yes, it's it sort of like 2000. Yeah, it's like the 2008 subprime mortgage debacle in the hundreds of billions it cost to bail those banks and insurers out they all got it all got wiped under the rug yes Mm -hmm. and if this had happened earlier it would have all just been wiped under the rug as well yeah we're at a time when people are no longer willing to let these things go anymore it needed a few times to show people that this is occurring nothing's been done about it and people are getting upset so now that it's happening and people are aware of it and seeing these things going on, they're not going to put up with it anymore. And that's a great thing. That is true awareness. And then using your sovereign self to say, no, this has to stop. Yeah. So that what this is ultimately, what I see happening with this is that many people are going to be awakened to the degree of what's being hidden behind them. And it'll be interesting to see how this actually impacts the elections in the United States. Yeah, it's you know it's fascinating that that that'll come to pass. But the one thing I was going to mention was with the Icelandic prime minister resigning over it. Don't be fooled by presentation. Don't forget he was the one who put his bankers in jail over the subprime. Mm-hmm. But in the background, he was doing something equally as nefarious for himself. That's right. So don't take anything at face value mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. <laughs> or, or don't think that if you see the initial cleansings of something happen, that it's actually gotten to the root. It could be just a surface thing that you were seeing. And yes. that further cleansing, like 
prime minister of Iceland resigning over something as significant as this, and not only the 26 bankers that have just recently been arrested and jailed and, and are serving time currently in Iceland, the, the cleansings that we're actually seeing, they're getting more intense. Yes. And they're needed. Yeah. It's certainly very interesting that this is going on, but we have to remember that is, as much as this is called the largest dump of this type of information into the public domain, the Panama Papers, it is only the release of documents from one legal firm in Panama. Exactly. So it's one legal firm, and there are dozens who do the same type of thing around the world. So this is just one. The tip of the and it's 2.6 trillion. So tip of the iceberg is a perfect phrase. Yeah, <laughs> yes, perfect. And, and I, from what I'm understanding too, Martin, is that this is only the offshore account. This is only management of money. When it actually, when the dump actually begins to happen, the major dump, it's going to broach every aspect of our lives from what the Illuminati has been holding back in, in terms of, of, of technologies and what they've done to the fact that we're already in a third world war. We have it for some time. It's not being fought with nuclear explosions. It's being fought with assassinations and, and dirty scheming behind the scenes that are slowly being revealed. It's almost as if the, uh, the dark forces on the planet are so desperate they don't care if, if they're seen doing mm -hmm. some of the things that they're doing. They're not worried about revealing their hand any longer, where in the past it was always, we can't let anybody know what we're doing. Right. Now they're so bold that they don't care who sees what they're doing. They're just they're, they're just going ahead and doing it. Yeah. Yes, and Karen, sorry, we interrupted you. Yeah, no, Karen, sorry. no, no, I was just thinking that it, I was, it was taking me back this conversation to Martin's introduction and as to why it's so critical to embrace the time of change, mm -hmm. when, especially when it's positive change. And really, we've talked over a number of weeks about becoming your sovereign self and how you can do that. And a lot of the techniques and some of the tools that we've often talked about in the show, I think as Martin was talking with respect to what's transpiring in the very near future and what we've just talked about with respect to 911, the Panama Papers and so on, we are seeing proof points of change. You know, how do we maintain that stability and being self-sovereign? And we think about things like making sure that you're continuing to love yourself, take care of yourself continue to build on that knowledge that we're always talking about, especially as things are coming out in the news and Ron, as you'd refer to, you know, the, the big dump of information, it's going to be really critical that people are aware and gaining that knowledge and digging into it and understanding and not just turning a blind eye. Right. And that's why being compassionate with yourself, you know, hope, courage, and having compassion for yourself and others is key through all of this because when you look at how these things can affect us. And this is only the tip of the iceberg, as you said, Karen. There's going to be more. There's going to be a lot more. And it's going to be tearing down the illusions of the world we thought we had. The one thing about being your sovereign self and working at becoming your sovereign self and being that bright light for yourself and others is don't give in to all this outdated stuff. Let it go. Have a vision, a better vision for the future. Look on it as all great, because it is great that these things are finally coming to light, we can finally start doing something about them and say, no, we're not doing that anymore, no, we're not permitting that anymore, so that we can all move into our bright light and 
picture and create through who we are a better future for everybody mm -hmm. and it's a done one person at a time never never forget that it, it's not about one person leading everyone anymore that's not going to happen it's about each of us standing up and going i'm fed up with this mm -hmm. i'm not moving forward this way anymore and we have to stop this that's being your sovereign self it's taking the power back to who you are and i say it all the time that great phrase in the american culture is we the people. Mm -hmm. And that goes for all of humanity, not just Americans, but it, we the people is being your sovereign self. It's we, our sovereign selves, have to move forward. Right. And that'll change the world. So yeah, agree entirely. Now it's, it's interesting when you look at that, one of the things that the astrology has been saying is about the Mars, Pluto and Mercury going retrograde is open up to those new paths open up to them, set longer-term goals, have a bigger vision. Don't keep sitting in the past in outdated modes. Find clarity, you know, who you are, where you're going. And when you look at who you are, you have to look at any one of these items that come up and say, who are you in relation to those items? Mm -hmm. Do you want them to continue? Is that what you want in the world? And then you also have to look at yourself as, and say, am I doing anything similar? Right. So you have to move away from those things that you decide that are not you and you do not want to see in the world. You move who you are and look at where you're going. So it's always a moment-by-moment -moment conscious decision about how you relate and what you're going to say and be around all these things that come up. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be something huge like this. It can be someone's comment that's prejudiced or derogatory. It can be someone saying, oh yes, I figured out a way to rip off the income tax. You, you have to take a stance on coming from your light center and say, no, that's not the way to go. Mm -hmm. And when you see anyone else doing something like that, you don't necessarily have to tell them they're wrong because that's not the right route to go. Everyone's their own sovereign self in a sense. But you have to decide first within yourself, who do you want to be in mm -hmm. relation to that? Well, I found over the last, I would say, year and a half, two years, maybe longer, I found it a time for me personally of a lot of self-reflection. And I think when you're talking, Martin, about not really judging or telling somebody else what they need to do, but oftentimes what we see is often a reflection of maybe who we don't want to be or what we don't want to do. But it also sheds a light in a very positive way about are we contributing to the best way or right. is there a better way? And this is the time to move forward to that. Yep. And it is literally also, as we said earlier, about forgiving yourself. Because as you're moving through that, you may not do everything perfectly. You won't change instantly. And you'll see things that you'll understand eventually by items that come up and go, oh, I've been doing that all my life. Maybe that's not the best thing to do because it's hurting people. Don't hit yourself over the head with it. Right. Move away from it, become something different, and move with that. So it's all about the change. It is not about the past. Right. It is not about what you have done. It is about what you will be doing now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so don't go to it and say, oh, my God, I've been that way all my life and be ashamed and feel guilty and go into that, that whole victim, needy, martyr mode, whatever it comes in. Move forward with it and say, that may be, but I'm changing now. Exactly. And that's what counts. I'd like to get back to the basic minimum Oh yes, income. Income for Ontario. Because that seems to stir when I when I've talked about that the last couple of days, it seems to stir a lot of concern for people. It's a it's a hot topic button type of thing. Mm -hmm. 
And I think one of the biggest issues is, well, we see what people do when they're on welfare, and right. that's just going to create a welfare state with regard to, you know, to giving the basic needs to people. What are people's thoughts on that? What else? Well, well oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Martin. No, no, go ahead. Um, actually, it was a conversation, Martin, that you and I had earlier in the week uh, about the basic income. And I guess one of the things that we talked about is that, in my, in my opinion, I feel that when people can't put forth or can't take care of themselves and their basic needs. I believe what follows that is you then begin to beat up on yourself and it's a self-respect and low self-esteem. And when you start going down that slippery slope, then you've got depression, you've got anxiety, you've got tiredness, you've got fearfulness. And I think that's what puts people at anger. And that can, I believe, put people into that perpetual state of never getting any better However, when you look at something where fundamentally there is a the basic minimum income, now people can look at it as this is what everybody is getting. I am not getting something special and now I can take care of myself and maybe, just maybe, that gives them the oomph to improve that self-esteem, to yeah. no longer be self-deprecating and, and beating up on oneself and maybe they actually go out and make more than the basic income or give to others or help to others. So I I think that part of that vicious circle that we hear of about, we've often heard the term welfare breeds welfare. I think there's much more to it than not being self-sufficient. And I I truly believe that if people decided that, and I I can't see that people would, 3,000, a little over 3,000 a month is not something that you can actually afford to live on without having a, a, a supplemental job of some sort to continue bringing in income. I mean, let's face it, some people's mortgages are just, you know, doesn't even cover a mortgage for some in some cases. However, what I find that's that's very interesting is the drudgery of, of nine to five that so many people are trapped within. How many people would actually want to go to a three-day week instead of working a five-day week if, Count if, that, if that tiny amount of money assisted them to the point where they said, well, with that money, I can actually afford living only on a three-day week as opposed to a five-day week. And I've got two extra days that I would have time for myself. Now, mm-hmm. the real interesting thing about that is, especially in today's environment with work, 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 but you know, you, you, you've, got, you've got to put in your nine to five and that's a basic minimum. A lot of people will actually put anywhere from 40, 50, sometimes 60 hours a week in or, or more to survive. Now, when you go home, how much time do you have to nurture yourself? And you your have children. And you've got your children. Or, or yeah. your relationship. That's right. But you've got your children. You've got your various chores. How much me time can mm. you then des- decide to engage just for yourself? We often hear, for instance, in motivational speaking about do what you love to do and the money will come. <laughs> and, yeah. and how many people actually take that to heart? And how many people have tried to take that to heart and have failed? Yes. Because they have not ever, ever spent any time, because they've not probably had that time, in order to discover what it is that they like. Mm-hmm. What do they love? What do people love to do? Yes. Most people couldn't even answer that. I, I find when people retire, mm-hmm. uh, when they get 65 yeah. to 70, they've got all this extra time, and they have no idea how to fill it. Yep. They, they don't know what pleases them. They don't know what they actually would like to do. 
with this extra time on our hands, perhaps we could get people interested in deciding what it is that they enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And then addressing the issue of the welfare state and nobody would ever want to go back to work if if everybody won a windfall, for instance, yeah. uh, and the need to work was actually removed, how would society continue to function? Now, it's going to be a, it would be a big change for society okay. at multiple levels. Exactly. But the interesting thing about a basic income, and I know people always have this, I'll call it an imagined reality because there's no proof that people who are on welfare just don't want to work. There will always be a certain group of people, of course, who will not want to work when they get a basic income. But what's interesting is in the UK, they've done a study on this because some countries have actually implemented it. And I can't remember which countries, unfortunately. It could have been Denmark, Norway. I'm not sure. But the countries that have implemented it and it's substituted for all the wealth, welfare, old age, whatever. Everyone just got a basic amount every month. Right. What's happened is, and what they followed the people, specifically those who everyone was complaining, you know, if they're on welfare now, they're just going to get worse and everything else because they'll get more money. And what they found that 30% in the first few years of those groups actually went out and earned more money when they weren't doing it before. Mm-hmm. Because you took away the fear of why should I work just to have food and clothing? This is, and most people know in their minds, it just seems unfair. That why should I have to go and struggle just to get basic food and clothing? What they found was when you got rid of that worry, then they felt, as you said, Karen, much better about themselves. Mm -hmm. They weren't feeling like they were second-class citizens. They weren't feeling like they were just given the stipend and had to suffer. Right. And they went out and they actually got other things to do and made more money and improve themselves. 30%, and that's just in the first few years. Well, I wonder too, Martin, if there's any statistics around how much they engaged within their community too, because I think when you have a a sense of low self-esteem or lack of Mm self-respect, there's a feeling like you cannot contribute or you don't know how to contribute or you're shunned from mainstream community. And I wonder if when you're given this back, whether or not you become integral to helping others within your community. And also, let's face it, nobody has ever expressed being proud of being on welfare. No. 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 There's a whole stigma that says if you're on welfare, you're a failure. Yes. But that's the one thing I like about this. And I did wrangle about this. And I think I said to you, Karen, that I was not maybe in favor of giving a basic, you know, 1200 a month or whatever income to people who earned 200000 or more a year because I thought, well, right. couldn't it go to better use? Yeah. But... The one thing I realized it probably does do, because the biggest complainers about people who get this type of thing is from people who don't get this type of thing. And it could be because of their income. It could be for a lot of other reasons. But when you give it to everyone, no one can complain they're not getting it. So you can't point and say they're users. Or you're getting it too. (laughs) Or you did as a a means of separation. If if it is, we're under the law of one. It it has to be for everybody. And there should be. It should be, no, no matter what you make, it should be available to everybody. Everybody. Yes. And that's where I finally came to the conclusion that makes sense. Yes. Well, and one would hope in the spirit of oneness that at whatever level of income you're at, that you would then have the opportunity to give back, right? It does, it, it removes that, the rich, the rich, rich, and the mm-hmm. poor, poor. 
right? It starts to bridge that gap between the two. So one would hope that we would then start to embrace that concept of, of oneness and how can I give back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as, as I said earlier, I think last week, to move from a world society that is no longer based on money, but right. exactly. based on happiness, there has to be a beginning point. And this yeah. is, it's a small beginning point, but it's one that I think has enough of an impact that it could create, as I said, there could very well be many people that would say, ah, I don't want to do a five-day week anymore. I think I could be happy just doing a three-day week. Mm-hmm. And then what would they actually do with that extra time? That's what I'm curious about. Right. Well, and it, as you said, it could be anything. Someone it could be who's anything. A, a painter, someone who's a musician, someone who wants to dabble in starting a small business. It could be a thousand things. Yeah. It, it could even, offer- even looking after their children more. It could offer them that platform mm-hmm. to create that that business. Yeah. How many parents feel guilty because they're both working mm-hmm. and both have good jobs or whatever jobs that take a lot of time? Some of them might be holding out two jobs and feel guilty about not being there for their children. Right. And see the actual damage that may be causing, but they don't feel they have a recourse. Right. This no, could, that's a good point. This could eradicate that. Yeah. It's wonderful. And what did you say at the top of the hour? A time to embrace change. Yes, and we're into it now. Yeah. Why are we ever? And this is a perfect example. I mean, one of many, but it, it... Exciting. And yet, it's the total antithesis of what authorities have told us to date, which makes me wonder if it's not the true answer, because as soon as authorities say it's not the answer and start putting fear into you, I have a feeling they're just not coming from a direction that's for anyone's benefit but their own. <laughs> most most people, as I said, most power brokers in the world have no wish to free the enslaved population that they have because this is how they make their money. Exactly. So to, to begin to offer freedom to people, oh my God, that completely undermines all of the, the efforts that they've had for thousands of years of enslaving people for their own benefit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's interesting is, uh, if you work it out, the Panama Papers may have been showing $2.6 trillion that were hidden, and it's only one legal firm that does that yeah. out of Panama. And there has to be at least a dozen more around the world that do the same thing, if not more. If they all freed up $2.6 trillion each, you know, this whole initiative for everyone could be paying for itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So things are coming up where we're seeing where people have held money from the population and told them they can only get ahead if they work hard. You can only get ahead if you're working at one of our jobs here and doing this. And it's 100% unadulterated. Do I use the word? Yes. Crap. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We've been brainwashed into it and it's just not true. I know. It's an indication, again, of how close we are coming to that global point, that tipping point, the event which we'll see Everybody wake up and say, yes. oh, okay, something is definitely afoot here that we've been lied to, you know, mm-hmm. about the nature of just about everything. And th- that this matrix that we are being forced to live in is quickly crumbling and falling apart. Yeah. The grandmother, Parisha, first brought it to my attention, but she used to put out a statement every once in a while. And I think the last one, it's probably dropped a bit because of things that have gone on in the world. There's enough money in the world to give every man, woman, and child on earth 
87 million dollars oh yes yes now i understand that a lot of that has to be in corporations and growth and there are people that will still want to be very rich and stay there but even if that was five million dollars out of that total five million dollars for every man woman child on earth do you not think we can do this there's enough money to do like really (laughs) i've just seen that scale again about how much money is available and who's actually making the money and it was i think in the scale there were a hundred people put in a line and it went from those who are completely jobless the the homeless the the ones that are with you know without destitute on the street to those of the 0.01 percent at the top of the of, of the scale and there it would out of out of the 100 people in that scale it was a half a person at the end of the scale that was holding 40% of the world's wealth. Yeah. Originally, when I, whenever I've seen this graph, it was it's always with the implication that the rise, the bell curve, was much smoother and, in, and increased more dramatically for the middle-income families going into, you know, and, and, and upwards and, and to beyond. But then when they actually said, no, this is not the actual truth, and they actually redesigned it, it was amazing how even the middle class in today's economy is right at the bottom. You can barely see it, mm-hmm. it, it increasing before it got to people who were making in the millions. That's when it actually took Billions, off. yeah. Well, and that's the thing. We've been brainwashed into believing that people who make billions and trillions of dollars as, as groups or families or wherever they get it from mm-hmm. and control so much, is this not truly, from a humanity's point of view, about what we can do to help humanity? Yes. So we say they have that right, but let's look at rights and responsibilities here. Do people really have the right to let millions starve while they've got trillions sitting there? Mm-hmm. People may say yes, but I'm going to say no. I'm going to say because it's been garnished through devious means, forcing people to do things and brainwashing them into doing things that just got them there through underhanded and devious means and hiding it all the time, that I think it's about time that that should no longer be allowed. And I think the Panama Papers are highlighting what people are doing to hide the taxes. And as I said, all those taxes alone from all of those, if it was all released, could could fund these entire basic incomes by themselves. So what else are they hiding? Oh, massive amounts of stuff. This move for transparency is thrilling, as far as I'm concerned, because it's an indication that the light is gaining on this planet. And the dark do not want those power brokers at the top have no desire to be able to to allow people to see what exactly it is that they've actually done in order to gain this map, this money and this power in the in the in the life and what they do to maintain it and and who they have suffer because the interesting thing here is that people forget is we always go into this mode of well they have the right to do that they can gain as much money as they want and I'm going yes except every human being on earth is a human being no one is more important than any other it's a life it's a human it's a person and as soon as people start abusing who they are and start causing the death of other human beings i think that's where i personally would start saying draw the line let's stop this and what we need is more and more people getting online with that and saying are we not for humanity are we not here 
to improve humanity and make a peaceful and harmonious earth? Or are we here to let a few people control everything and trample us under the mud whether we like it or not? Like, what does that serve? What, what is the purpose? Yeah. You know, well, it also has to go hand in hand, though, with developing the sovereign self. Well, yes, it does. Because but you know what if, I'm getting at. Yeah, if you continue <coughs> to say, I'm a victim here, and I'm pointing my finger at this rich person saying, I don't want you to do this anymore because it's hurting me and everybody else, what are you doing with your own self that is improving yourself? Asking someone else to give up the right to make what, what whatever it is that they're doing, whether you think it's wrong or not wrong, does not support the concept of free will. So, no, but and I, I understand where you're coming from, but I also don't want to to see people get into well, you owe me attitude. Well, what no. about if we looked at it this way, though? If you think about what we've ta- been talking about, particularly if I use the example of the basic minimum income, right. if we were actually a society where people's basic needs were taken care of, we've talked about how people would, would then feel from a self-esteem, a, you know, self-respect perspective. Martin, you also cited some statistics that said they were on to do more and engage more. So I wonder as that shift happens, when we think about humanity, how appealing is that great wealth if you don't require it? See, right now I think we've been into this paradigm thinking that we, we, we need this great wealth because we've been controlled. Yes. But if we didn't need to be, would then not the utopia be finding happiness, as you said, Ron? Yes, and, but, but it's, a, it's, a slow, it's a slow shift because the core yeah. systems of people can't go immediately from, from a society that's based on funds and capitalism and competition and dog-eat-dog and, and having that kind of environment, being living, living in that kind of environment for hundreds, if not thousands of years, to one where your basic fulfillment is, is happiness. I mean, I right. tried to introduce this even today in, in a conversation with my manager with regards to automating, how, how companies are automating and changing and reducing the number of staff, thus freeing up a whole group of people to do what? Well, usually to be unemployed. To, well, to, towards unemployment. But her comeback was, well, then they should be able to recreate new jobs and new, and new things. But not everybody has been born an entrepreneur. No. no. Right. Well, and, and what I was getting at there by saying no more and, and looking at all that is that it's not so much that you don't have the right to gain wealth mm-hmm. and you don't have the right to become a trillionaire. What I'm saying is that as people become their sovereign selves, you see, there's a lot of things in the system that prevent us from helping others. And I always go back to the basic premise that corporations weren't built to help corporations. Corporations were built to help people. And if we don't build things that are to help people, then they're quite useless in many ways. Mm. That's that uselessness we have to come to grasp with. And when people call for higher taxes or getting rightful taxes, like through the whole Panama Papers incident, rightful taxes that should have been paid, but people are hiding and being schemeful about and, and not paying them. This is the type of deceit and peace that we have to get rid of. But I'm also not against taxing more so that we have that basic income and other things in our infrastructure rebuilt. Because companies having $200 billion in reserve does no one any good. Right. And corporations, I'm sorry, are not there to just support themselves. 
that's where governments have to step in. People have to step in and go, no. It used to be higher taxes for the rich. I mean, when you look back at a time when the world economies were booming with the Rockefellers starting and the, all those, those type Vanderbilts and so on, trials and, taxes yeah, were much greater. And those taxes were much greater and they were used to help build the infrastructures and help the middle class get built to begin with. That's what the taxes were for. They were for the government to use money to help their whole population get to a healthy, prosperous state. I'm not entirely on board with that. Okay. I'm not I'm not entirely certain. I think that that was originally what was told people with regards to taxes, but taxing never actually taxes only actually came in after 2000 or 19 was it 1913 when the Federal Reserve was created. And prior to that, the world was although it, it's it's not you can't compare the world then to the world today. But, no, but what I'm saying is the the greater taxes at the time mm -hmm. built to help create a lot of countries, universal medical systems, great universities and better education and, and inexpensive yeah. education. All of it was built on those taxes to help the people mm -hmm. and not, as Henry Ford would have liked it, to have people in the assembly line not working well enough and whipping them. Well, it was, I, I, because that's what it would go back to. Yeah, I'm not convinced that that's <laughs> the case. We have, how is it that that 0.01% has gotten so wealthy? Well, it's the brainwashing. But it's also through heavy taxation on a debt that's been created out of thin air, out of nothing. All of this interest that is being created when the, when the Federal Reserve issues bonds, which is a debt instrument, and then it gives it to, it's, it's, a, it's a round robin, but in the process of this whole round robin that keeps circulating over and over again, they keep taxing the everyday person to pay the debt in order to pay the debt and the interest made and 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 then but the thing of it is is that debt continues to get higher and higher and higher and yes. every cycle we've got to we've got to increase the debt ceiling yet again right. because if we don't it's going to collapse and i don't want it to collapse on my watch so no. i'm going to raise the debt ceiling again and allow my children to have to suffer and make no but I'm, I'm not saying you have to do that i'm not saying you have to do oh, that at okay. all what okay. i'm saying is that Originally, it was used when they had gold standard and something to base things on. It was an entirely different system. The fiat system came in because there's nothing to base the money on anymore. It's all just made up and fake. Yeah. We have to move back to a system that moves back to that, which is certainly part of it. But the other piece is right now, the only commodity and value in the entire system is the labor of the people. Uh, but the people who are laboring to just make ends meet are not seeing the benefits of that labor. All their labor and the value of that labor goes up to the top now. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is that that shift of where that money goes and how it gets distributed should be shifted back to like a gold-based system where you're restricted, but the people get more of what they're worth because they're not paying them their worth anymore. They're paying them far less than they're worth and they're, they're gaining all the benefit. Of course. So it's the average employee is making far more for the corporation now than they ever used to. Precisely. But they're yes, being paid yes. less and less. Yes. Uh, well, that's the other piece is you pay them less and less, of course they get more. You but know what's but we need to shift it back again. <laughs> and you know what's interesting about a fiat-based system is that on average, whenever a country or a nation has actually gone to a fiat-based system where their currency is no longer based on gold mm. but on debt, it's only managed to survive on an average of 40, 40 years. Now, yep. with Nixon pulling us off and making and bringing the entire world 
on a fiat system with its its greenback in 1972 were beyond the 40-year point. Well, and that's why they say it's imminent collapse because of it. They have been, and this is how devious the dark power brokers on the planet are, and it, they've managed to stave off you know, mm. having, having to address the issue. And as I said, they keep uh, they keep raising the debt ceiling, for instance. But eventually, as I said, we won't even be able to afford the everyday interest on the debt. No, then right. that happens eventually. It does collapse. It, it can't it can't survive on that. Right. And as you said, and as I said, I think the one thing it has to move back to is something similar to a gold yes. standard again. Yes, and this but, is where the, the the whole event and the collapse of the financial system, which many people believe will be the event that right. occurs, will actually lead back to will be a currency, a world currency that is actually based on gold and precious metals. And what tells us that that's coming? A lot of countries and a lot of people around the world now are buying <laughs> gold like this. Yeah, except they can't get for, enough of it. <laughs> except for Canada. <laughs> well, I know we got rid of all ours. Yes, and with and with the statement coming back from the finance minister saying that they still don't consider gold or silver money. So it was it was an asset that they just it wasn't something that it was a considered monetary value. They just sold it. They just yep. sold it because they could make money. And, and don't forget, it was that same government in Canada, the, the last one, <laughs> that printed almost nine times as much money as they should have mm-hmm. to keep things afloat. Yeah. Well, does it not come down to greed, gentlemen? Absolutely. It, it yeah. comes down to greed and it comes down to political self-preservation. Yeah. Because if that government in the middle of its term didn't print all that money and didn't you know, sell the gold, they would have realized that the debt would have been massive and they would have been ousted in short order. Oh, but there goes to, the ego, right? <laughs> yeah, but to hide it all, they not only sold the gold to get immediate money, but they began printing money like mad mm-hmm. to begin hide it all and mask it all. And that was, for those who are, don't know it, that was Prime Minister Harper and group that did all that in Canada. It's, it's, a, it's a disgrace. but And a lot of countries have done it, though. And I and, and look with the printing of fiat currency and dumping all of those extra dollars into the economy actually does. If you look at Canada's inflation rate right now, it is astronomical. It's one of the highest in the world. And I mean, I've seen I've seen advertisings for two ounces of black peppers being sold for twenty three dollars. Canada <laughs> shaving cream used to be three ninety nine. I've just gone and, and checked. It is now at a at it's, it's seven dollars eight dollars. A container. Mm-hmm. It's and this was just recent in the last yeah. year, so yeah. our inflation well, rate is absolutely going out of the out of control. Yeah, but they've they've tried to offset that by keeping the interest rates low, mm-hmm. and they've also but tried to. How, be, how successful have they been with that? I look at that and go, they're about as low as they can go. <laughs> yeah, no, up, up beyond a negative interest rate, right. which means mm-hmm. that they would start taking money from you when you put money into your bank accounts, folks. Right. Well, so they already take ninety percent of it and invest it into silly yeah, things like subprime mortgages. So yeah, <laughs> and, and, and the whole concept of fractional reserve banking, I won't even get into with regards no, to. No. I mean, if I, if I was to do that, they would arrest me tomorrow. Yeah, but, but, but allow but allow a bank to do it, and it's considered legal and okay and right. Yeah. So there's a lot of these these issues, however, and this is the thing: a lot of people are starting to wake up to these things, and this is what's going to change: is people waking up to what's actually happening around them and saying, "No, I'm not standing for that anymore." You no, know, it's the awakening that is going to change. 
where most people are. That's where I see most of the changes in the upcoming couple of months will be from people who have had that awakening, that aha moment and said, my God, look, look, I no longer have to allow my decisions to be made by somebody else. I'm going to take control of my own decisions. Karen? Yes, Martin. <laughs> We've been rambling on here, and poor Karen's <laughs> been patient in the background. I know. Uh, what would you like to say, Karen? I think, I think this has been a really lively conversation because we've hit on so many different topics. Mm. I think where, where my head goes, I see a lot of these things going on, very much aware of them, and it, it causes me to, my mind kind of flips to places, organizations, institutions that are doing things differently. Right. And I think not to lose sight of the fact that, yes, there are a lot of these things that are going on in the world that are very, in my mind, very horrific. But I do believe there are pockets out there where we are seeing communities and institutions do the right thing, seeing programs in place where lower interest so that you can help out third world countries and, and all of those kinds of things that we're doing. But I think it goes back to at the top of the hour, Martin, when you talked about moving away from that neediness, that martyrdom and knowing that all of this change is coming and we cannot forget that self-sovereignty is at the precipice or is at the at the foundation of it all yes. in yeah. order to move forward. And I think it's great that we can acknowledge a lot of these things that are going on. And I think what that does for me personally is it reinforces the things that I don't want to participate in, that I don't want to be involved in, but that I do want to be the voice and be part of the change. Yes. No, exactly. And that's what the whole thing's about. Exactly. No, I think it's a great conversation. I mean, we, we only have these conversations and bring these things up so you can look them up and, and make your own mind up about them. Obviously, we've made our minds up about them in many ways, but doesn't mean that can't change either. Yeah. It's, it's all about bringing awareness. But beyond the awareness is, as Karen says, what are you going to do about it? It's about being your sovereign self. And how are you going to look on these things and how are you going to decide who you're going to be? Yeah. So, yes, thank you, Karen. Bringing it back to the root of why we're bringing this up is just to make people aware. Yeah. So they can see what's going on and then they can be a force for change. Ooh. I mean, um, this, yeah. whole, this whole monetary thing of, of giving people basic, basic thing, to me, challenges the concept that there's scarcity. Mm -hmm. If there is yes. enough for everybody, then why not give everybody their basic needs and cover it? Yes. Especially as the one study showed or the one group showed in that country, which I can't remember the name of, but 30% of them improved themselves and actually put more money back into the economy. Exactly. It's recognizing and beginning to see through the illusions that yep. we for so long believed were real. Yeah. And removing the separation too. We've yeah. been living in an environment, in a society that breeds separation yeah. on so many different levels, financially, in many cases, morally, religiously, race, everything. We are, we are a culture and have been. You see that start to shift, and we have seen it shift, and then it shifts to something else, but it's still promoting separation. And now is the time to move forward and say, I don't want to be part of that separation. Right. Because separation, and we've talked about this endlessly before, separation is one of the biggest causes of all the strifes in the world, if not virtually 90% of them. And it's separation and going down the path of separation, which a lot of people are promoting at the moment. 
But as we've said before, as the light gets brighter, the dark gets darker. Yes. And you will find people promoting it and fighting tooth and nail to keep the status quo of what they have in, in the current environment and authoritarian systems that are built, rather than see any of it uh, move to, as I say, power and self-sovereignty to we the people. Mm-hmm. They want to stop that because right. that puts them out of power and being one of the major controllers of everything. Right. Yes. And that separation, when you see, but so many people fall for it. And it's because we've been so ground into the dirt and brainwashed right. yeah. that we want to just have an easy solution, blame yeah. them, it'll solve everything. Right. It never does, and it never works, and it's never true. But <clears throat> it sounds good because it's simple. Right. Well, and I think the other thing that I've learned uh, through a lot of our conversations, Martin, and with you as well, Ron, is that there was a time when I was of the, the mindset, well, there's some battles we can fight, yeah. but there's other ones that are out of our control. And I today I stand corrected on that because we are the change in everything. And we start in our personal lives. Uh-huh. We start uh-huh. in our family lives. We then move to our relationships. And then maybe it's our own job. Then maybe it's within our community. So there are lots of ways that we can demonstrate who we want to be and being self-sovereign. And that does have the ripple effect. So there's nothing that is, in my mind, well, it's something that I can, I can just, I guess in the past I would picture myself thinking, oh, that's bigger than a bread box. How can I even begin to address that? Mm-hmm. And the fact is, is one foot in front of the other, piece by piece, you can yeah. affect change by changing yourself. And, and, changing your, and changing your perspective on how you see things. Yes. You might look at something in the world and think, oh, that's horrible. That's absolutely horrible. And, and then with that thought, end up judging what it is that you see. But if you change your perspective on what it is that you're seeing and, and you're willing to look at it differently, mm-hmm. it's amazing what insights you can bring. Yes. That will actually – and the thing of it is, is in order to see the change outside of you, you must first bring the change Inside, inside, yes. yeah. It has to be done inside. So, change your willingness to be able to change your perspective on something is incredibly important. And it goes to the heart of understanding. Mm-hmm. Because even if you see someone doing something that revolts you, mm-hmm. and just that's how you instantly emotionally react. When you are understanding, you will move to the point where you will see why they're doing it. Yes. Why they believe they have to do it because they have their reasons, and then you can start tackling why they're doing it. They have reasons because they feel they're being subjugated. They feel they're being put down. They feel whatever the reason is, you can begin looking at that and going, let's make them feel part of us. And it's usually, as Donald Walsh has always said, those reasons usually fall into the area of believing in the illusions that we have created about reality for so long. Yeah. Uh, The belief, for instance, that there's not enough to go around. How many people believe that today? So the idea of having your basic needs given to you is so completely radical mm-hmm. that, of course, well, they're going to be suspicious about it, and they're going to try to find any negative aspect, regardless of the gift, and, yep. make, and try to turn it around. Yes. And that's only because they're still operating on the belief in those illusions. So when you change your ideas about the illusion, your, your reality will begin to reflect that. Exactly. And I think the other thing that just came to me, and it's way too long for, for this program, but the yeah. thought, Martin, when you just said about understanding, yes, that was it. My mind immediately jumped to all too often people say, well, if I'm too understanding, 
then I'm just allowing them to make excuses. Or allowing them to continue the bad behavior. Right. And I think that in of itself is probably a whole other topic. Yes. But I think it, it does feel field well into this and in that people think, well, if I'm too understanding, A, I'll be walked all over, or yeah. B, I'm feeding into, you know, those excuses and allowing and enabling yeah. that kind of activity to continue. And in fact, we're not. They're completely different. Yes. You're still supposed to have integrity, empathy, and speaking your truth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a sense of, uh, of pride about who you are. Sometimes yes. not wanting to do something is because you don't feel worthy enough to even challenge it. And we're, we're a few minutes away, maybe less, from the end of the program again. I hope our listeners are enjoying the conversation. As you've, we said earlier, it's really to provoke thinking yes. and self-reflection to ponder ideas and concepts and revisit what you believed before. And in fact, maybe they are imagined truths. It's standing back and taking that observation mode. Yes. Don't let your emotional body take over to where you see everything you have to feel you go and throw bricks at the people or something. It's not about that. It's about becoming aware of what the problems are, becoming aware of where people are doing a disservice to others and it hurts them or harms them or whatever, and then looking at that and going, is that who I want to be? We're not bringing this stuff up to throw fear into everyone. We're bringing it up that I hope it makes you aware so you can deal with the situation that it makes you aware, makes you conscious of where things are going, and then you can stand up and say, no, I want change. Right. Yeah. And I just want to end by saying, with regards to emotionalism, which will come up in the, in the next couple of months quite profoundly for many people, be aware that your emotions are there to trigger something in you that says your vision of who you say you want to be is not in alignment with what you're doing. So when mm -hmm. you get triggered emotionally, rather than react to it, if you can, and it can be difficult, but if you can, hold back and tell yourself here, there is something here that I need to learn. Being patient with yourself. Yes. Love yourself. And, and forgiving. So very good. That brings us to the end of the program. I thank everyone for tuning in. We do appreciate it. So everybody have a wonderful week. Have a great week, everyone. We're very grateful that you tune in with us week after week. We enjoy speaking with you. Thank you for listening to The Sovereign Self. We will be back with another show that will celebrate the beauty and perseverance of you and your sovereign self. If you would like more information or to send questions to Martin, Karen or Ron, please go to their Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash sovereign self. See you next week.